Hey, 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 once again, this is Wanda Swan. This is Shannon Palma. And you are listening to Once Upon a Patriarchy. Today we are in a very jovial mood. Uh, we have had the opportunity to bring to you today the story of Beauty and the Beast. As you can imagine, there are several million pieces of versions of this story. And Disney is one of the most uh, popular uh, holders of this version. And so uh, they liked it so much. It was so nice they did it twice. And we want to see that. We want to talk about that today as well as what we usually do is uh, Shannon will offer us a retelling. And then we have a very, very special guest with us today who will give us some insight into their thoughts after having access and, and, and also reviewing the, the story, the various versions of the story as well. So Shannon is going to introduce our very special guest, Susanna Morris. Well, Susanna Morris is co-founder and contributing writer for the popular feminist blog, The Crunk Feminist Collective. Together with Brittany Cooper and Robin Boylorn, Susanna edited The Crunk Feminist Collection. Writing as Crunkadelic on the CFC blog, she covers a range of topics, including body positivity, politics, pop culture, race, and self-care. She covered those same topics in her first book, Close Kin and Distant Relatives, The Paradox of Respectability in Black Women's Literature. A former women's issues expert for About.com, Susanna's work has been featured in Gawker, Cosmopolitan.com, Ebony.com, and Longreads, among other venues. She has also appeared on NPR and HuffPost Live and has been featured in Color Lines and Essence Magazine. Susanna is also an Associate Professor of Literature, Media, and Communication at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Welcome, Susanna. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So Shannon is our resident fairy tale expert in the house. And so Shannon, you have spent this week doing a lot of research around Beauty and the Beast, various versions of it. Side note, do y'all remember that version of Beauty and the Beast uh, that was made for TV? Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Which one? Yeah. Oh. You mean the show with Linda Hamilton? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because there was a more jam. recent one, too. Yes. Yeah, the Linda Hamilton That's right. One yeah. was... Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, all these things were coming. Mm-hmm. That... He had a flowing mane. Yes. It was very 80s. Vincent. He lived underground. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. He looked version. like he was in a metal band. He did. Basically. <laughs> he did. It's like White Snake? <laughs> So, she was like a DA or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that was the only like that was the when we thought when we talked about this and and we're looking at the story, I was like, mm, I remember how they used to make me feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, I think many people had awakenings to that show. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was Linda Hamilton. Mm-hmm. It was before Terminator or Terminator Two. Well, before Terminator Two. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was before Terminator One, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vincent with his flowing mane, living underground, yeah. tossing yes, it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pantene commercial. Come oh. on. Mm-hmm. Sexy times. So, mm-hmm. Shannon, you're going to deliver us a version that's probably not as sexy. No. Uh, <laughs> this one should not make you cry, so okay. that's an up over last mm-hmm. week. That's true. <laughs> Completely true. That was last week was not good. However, give us, school us, tell us, give us some background into Beauty and the Beast and the various versions and how we ended up with this product that is 2017 and 1991. Oh, okay. All right, so there are lots of animal groom and animal bride tales throughout folklore and fairy tale, 
Beauty and the Beast enters the literary tradition under the French title La Belle et la Bête in a collection mm-hmm. authored by uh, Madame, and I'm going to butcher this because I have not spoken French in a really long time, Gabrielle de Villeneuve. In 1740. Sound good to me. Thank you. You're welcome. I practiced that. Mm -hmm. Villeneuve's version is 187 pages long. It has this really complex backstory where you ultimately find out that Beauty and the Beast are cousins. (gasps) Right? (laughs) They're first cousins through his mother and her father. That's not the most famous version, but it was like a really important version. (laughs) It's the first version. We're not going to retell 187 page version. That's a lot. That's a lot. Not doing that. So, 1756. Okay. We have a much shorter and ultimately much more popular version, and that one is Jean Marie Le Prince de Beaumont. Le Prince de Beaumont. I'm just going to say Beaumont because I'm Southern. Um, So. In that version, which is the one that's really influential for Disney and for most incarnations uh, that we see today, Beauty is the favored youngest daughter of a rich merchant. She has two older sisters who are very arrogant and vain, and they are jealous of Beauty's looks and her kindness. They play at being socialites, and they dismiss Beauty and make fun of her for being bookish. Hmm. She also has a couple of brothers, though they aren't really characters in the stories. Uh, the merchant unexpectedly loses his fortune, and the older girls lose all their suitors because the suitors were only after the money. Beauty's suitors still want her. She turns them down in order to go into exile with her family. So she's established right from the beginning as this character who is very kind and generous and puts her family first. Members of her family do not do the same for her. Mm-hmm. So the merchant and his sons make a living farming. While Beauty takes care of the house, and her sisters basically sit around feeling sorry for themselves. So the merchant gets this message saying that one of his ships may have survived, like it might have actually appeared at shore. So he goes looking to see if the ship is there, if maybe some of their fortune can be restored. And the two older girls ask for lots of presents when he goes to town and all of these things. And Beauty doesn't want to make her sisters look bad. But she also doesn't want to put any undue burden on her father, so she asks for a rose. So the merchant goes, and it wasn't his ship, or the ship wasn't found. He he returns in worse off straits than when he he left. So on his way back, he gets lost in a snowstorm and stumbles upon the enchanted palace. Okay? No host appears, and there aren't the, like, talking objects that there are in... In the Disney films, right? That's, that's, it's I was just that right. He finds he finds a meal laid out for him and a chamber prepared. There are soft voices, but no, everyone's invisible. He doesn't see anyone, hmm. and all goes well until he goes to leave the next morning, and he assumes that his kind host wouldn't mind if he takes a rose from the garden, because everything else was given to him. So even though everything else has been just laid out before him and someone has been very generous and kind to him in his distress, he's like, oh, and I also want a flower. So he takes the flower as well. So the beast appears then and sentences the merchant to death for stealing. Mm. But he says he'll accept the sacrifice of one of the merchant's daughters as a substitute. Mm. The beast sends the merchant home laden with riches and gifts and tells him to, you know, say goodbye or, or and come back or send one of his daughters within three months. So he gives him, he makes sure the family's taken care of 
And he gives them time to say goodbye to each other and decide what they're going to do. <laughs> right? The merchant says he's going, like, he, his intention is to return himself after saying goodbye to his daughters and making sure everyone is taken care of, his daughters and his sons. I mean, you assume he's saying goodbye to his sons as well. Uh, but Beauty insists that the price is hers to pay as a debt of honor because hmm. she requested the rose. Her sisters rejoice at her bad fortune. Her father and her brothers weep, uh, but she won't be dissuaded. And the sister's like, yeah, they petty. get rid of them. Very. Mm-hmm. So petty. So at the palace, Beauty very quickly realizes that the Beast has no intention of harming her. There's no violence the way that there is in, mm. in the films we're going to talk about today, or at least in the 1991 version. That's not a part of the story. I mean, he, he, there's privilege. I'll sentence you to death for stealing my flower, mm-hmm. which is a thing, right? And there's threat like of violence. Threat mm-hmm. of violence, right? And there's the... the Give me your daughter in exchange. Give me your human, your human spawn. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. So, but there's the like overt <laughs> violence that mm-hmm. there is. Except for the give me your human spawn. Right. That's the reproductive justice issue. Mm. Okay. So, like, her beauty agrees to go thinking she's going to her death. Mm. Okay. So when she gets there, her every wish, as soon as she as soon as she wishes for something, it's granted by magic. She has it. She's mistress of the of the castle. She's um. She has dinner with the beast every night, and he's very sensible. He's not clever. They have many fine conversations. And each night over dinner, he proposes, and she refuses him because he's ugly. Not because he's her captor, but because he's ugly. Okay. Right. So eventually he asks her simply just promise not to ever leave me, and she says she'll die of grief if she never sees her father again. So the beast agrees to let her go, though he will die of grief if she leaves him. So this alternative doesn't suit Beauty either. They come to the agreement that she'll go for a week. But she goes, and there's nothing that has to bring her back other than her work. So when she gets home, she's taking care of her ill father, and her sisters are jealous because she comes home bearing gifts, and she's dressed well, and she's told everyone, don't worry about me, I'm living this fabulous life. They conspire to make her break her promise to return within a week. But on the 10th day, Beauty dreams that the beast is dying and realizes that she loves him. So she rushes back to the palace via magic and finds the beast near death in the garden. She tells him she loves him. She accepts his proposal. And that transforms the beast into a handsome, intelligent prince. So here's the other thing. There have been other versions, but there's one version in particular that really leads to the Disney version. And that's the 1946 Cocteau film. So it's Jean Cocteau, and it's a silent film, black and white, gorgeous. It was the most famous fantasy film of all time, Hmm. at least for a very, very long time. And that's the one. It's very close to Beaumont in most respects, but it reduces the number of Beauty's brothers to one and gives him a profligate best friend, Avenal. Um, And that guy wants to marry Beauty. So that's the predecessor of Gaston. Mm, okay. Right, so that's where you get Gaston from. Okay. Is from the Cocteau film, okay. and the Cocteau film is very surreal and is doing all of these crazy things in terms of doubling. And the same actor plays Avenant, who plays the Beast. Okay. So the second version, she's living her best life in mm-hmm. the second version, right? It, it is troubling, you know. There is some pieces of that that are, you know, the whole. Bring some, I'm going to my death. Eh, 
You know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm going to go down for daddy. I also think that me personally, I was telling uh, my friend Terry uh, when I was watching the story last night, I was like, I don't think I really would have. I think he would have had to keep my daddy. Now, my mama, you know, that's different. But I think he would have had to, like, I was like, just just go be daddy. Just go flourish as best <laughs> as you can. Um, <laughs> so that's not something that would really, like, rile me to go mm-hmm. and, and go do. Um, but it's what's interesting is that it sounds like that version two is the least problematic of all the problematic versions of this story. And some of the external conflicts that she has outside of, I'm going to go to my death. I'm a martyr is the sisters. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting that it became like girl fight kind of like petty stuff. And she gets rewarded with riches and she's legit out here living her best magical life in this castle. Mm -hmm. And then like, even toward like she, she just needs to come back if you want to, that kind of thing. So, it's just a very sharp turn, very sharp turn. It, it's a really strange kind of, well, it's not strange for the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> women are true. Women are catty and greedy and all of those things. And one of the things that Cocteau's film does towards right at the end is, so there's not a mob scene the way that there is hmm. in the Disney films. Instead, Avenant conspires with the greedy sisters to go steal the beast's wealth. Okay. So they, he and the brother go to break in. When Beauty flees back to the beast to make sure he's okay, mm-hmm. they're trying to break into his treasure room. And the way that it's shot, you cut back and forth between the beast dying and then transforming and once she, when she declares her love for him and Avenant saying he's going to, to kill the beast first, but then getting distracted by the treasure mm-hmm. and going after the treasure first. And okay. then he gets, he never actually makes it to Beauty and the Beast. He gets distracted in the treasure room and is shot by an arrow from an enchanted statue of and course. falls to his death. So that falling to your death that you see in both mm. the 1991 and the 2017 is from that film. Okay. And then the other thing that's really, really weird is that the Beast and Avenant turn into each other in that moment. So when Avenant, Mm -hmm. when the Beast transforms into a handsome prince, Mm -hmm. then Avenant, who's dead, turns into a beast. Oh, wow. And Belle, or Beauty, it's so creepy. Beauty, like, he looks just like Avenant, who she's known her whole life. And he asks her if she, like, she, he's, she says, you look like someone I know. And he says, was this somebody important? She basically tells the beast, yes, I loved him. He never knew. Oh, wow. Right? And she's saying this to him not knowing that he's, she thinks he's safe at home. But he's actually dead in their treasure room. And so, oh, that's so it's, dark. It's so dark. It's so dark. And that's the Cocteau film. It's not one of the literary versions. But that's where Disney's going for a lot of references. Mm-hmm. Is this incredibly dark turn and this doubling of the Beast and Gaston. Like mm-hmm. the Beast and Avenant, the Beast and Gaston. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty interesting. I know that, especially in the 2017 version, there were definitely moments where I was like, 
the Beast and Gaston are equally horrible to me at this moment in time. <laughs> and so this idea of, of seeing them both as a reflection of each other, I kind of saw that. I kind of felt mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at one point, I was just like, I don't want nobody to win. So <laughs> now what do we do? Now what we do now? Because you're trash and you're trash. And so now we stuck with horrible options. Like, how is this going to turn out well? All right. As always, Shannon, thank you for ruining my day um, with your retelling. So what we usually like to do is take the time just to kind of talk through just a couple ideas uh, around just some some of the thoughts of what did this bring up for you. And and Suzanne, I think one question that I want to pose is what are some of your some of your initial thoughts after you know, viewing the films and the cartoons and also listening to Shannon's retelling of some of the original versions. What are some things that are that are come out to you mm-hmm. um, that are kind of striking? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me here. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I did not know the full backstory of Beauty and the Beast versus some of the other fairy tales that I can think of, like Cinderella or Snow White, where I'm more familiar with you know, kind of original versions. So this past week, I've watched the 1991 animated version after not having seen it probably since (laughs) 1991 or 92. And so I had a lot of fun watching that. So that was bringing me back to my childhood. I knew every song. I was going to ask, did you sing along with it? I knew every song. I saw Beauty and the Beast on ice, Disney on (gasps) ice back in the day. What? You so, were not playing. I was not playing. Was but it wasn't kidding. my favorite um, show or, or cartoon. I was oh. like a big an Aladdin fan. Mm-hmm. I was looking for somebody of color right. at the time. Right. It's like, yeah. where? Where are you? You know, there was nobody. You know, Tiana came much later. Yeah. So, because um, I was a kid when Beauty and the Beast came out, probably about 10 or 11. So... So it was interesting seeing... It was a lot more violent than I remembered. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, he really is just trying to slap people and he's (laughs) rearing around and things like that. So that, I had not remembered that. Mm -hmm. But what was also surprising to me was the emphasis on books. Like, I had forgotten that part of it too. Yeah. You know, because I feel like so many of the other princesses, princesses, Disney princesses, you know, Learning is not their forte. It's like, I'll give up my whole life. I'll give up my voice Mm. for a dude who does not seem that interesting or bright, but I just saw him at the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'll fly around this magic carpet, you know, basically to defy my father, but... I don't really have anything else going on. Belle had other things going on. Like, she was an interesting individual, as much as you can be developed in 75 minutes. Right, You know what I mean? Similar to Tiana, right? In in that way, like, these princesses by marriage Mm -hmm. are really kind of scrappy in a different way. Right. And maybe that's what it is. It's Mm -hmm. not the... It's the... She's the inventor's daughter, Mm -hmm. and she is interested in, like, a life of the mind, which I thought that's... Mm -hmm. This is kind of cool, you mm-hmm. know. So I really had forgotten that, um, that she was so threatening to provincial life, mm-hmm. you know, because she's like a smart girl, you know. Yeah. Like she's beautiful, but actually what makes her odd is that she wants to read. Yeah. You know. So that came to mind. That sort of struck 
struck me and I didn't think like when you know we said okay Beauty and the Beast I'm like sure I remember Beauty and the Beast I know all the Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion you know I know that you know tale as old as time song as old as run you know what I mean that was my jam that was my jam just been singing it like You know, Mrs. Potts version versus the, you know, soundtrack version Mm -hmm. and all of that. The other thing that struck me, too. So, well, I'll back up and say that those were parallels in both the animated version and the live action version Mm -hmm. in terms of like. This is a smart girl. Mm-hmm. It's a smart young person, you know, and I thought that moment in the live action version where Belle and the Beast talk about books, where he's been oh. injured, he saved her from the wolves, mm-hmm. and now she's doctoring him. And, you know, they're having this back and forth about Romeo and Juliet, which is, I don't think, is Shakespeare's best work. I no. mean, come on, Twelfth Night, either. King Lear. Come, yeah. you know come on, King Lear. You come know? On. Oh, yeah. And so. He's like, at well, okay, he's clowning her. And then they go into the library and he tells her, of course, this is yours. Mm -hmm. But they're able to, there's a whole Mm -hmm. sequence of them Mm -hmm. reading. And there's a version of that, an animated version. But that is, you know, sort of overlaid with song. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, the newer version is longer. So they get a little bit more character development. So I, I had forgotten that that was such a big deal in the story. And I like that sort of recuperation. Like, oh... Mm. He is a smart person, mm-hmm. she or creature, and she's smart, and that's really how they, you know, I mean, those are the kinds yeah. of romance novels the I like. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's how nerds get together. Yeah. It's like, you you like this? Let's let's talk so about sexy. books. Ooh, and it's like oh, <laughs> getting hot. Like, oh, well, you, right? It's like ooh, exegesis. Oh my god. <laughs> so that I thought was really interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting, too, was, like, the specter of violence, right? By both the Beast, but also Gaston and the townspeople, right? Like, and it's, like, really... But the specter of violence is domesticity, right? Mm. Which I think makes it, in some ways, stand out from some of the other stories. Like, I think of, like, Snow White... And basically, she's taking care of seven dudes, right? right? That's her escape. That's not an escape. No. Now, granted, she has little blue birds and blue jays and things helping her with her (laughs) curtains and things. But that's not, you know, that's also animal labor. They didn't ask for that. (laughs) They they might be enchanted, but don't nobody want to work all the time, you know? So the fact that, you know... There's all this sort of violence that's so interesting to me. That's like they're gonna like imprison her father mm-hmm. and put him in the asylum mm-hmm. and all this kind of. I'm like, okay, but it's so that Gaston can have his his dream of having her rub his feet and all that right. kind of stuff. And, and have children. seven children. And have children. seven children. What's seven? Get out of here. Beat it. Oh. You know. Some things that I I was like question mark is this whole role of servitude. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the the blue jays and the curtains and all that, mm-hmm. you know that Lumiere and Cogsworth and all that. It's like a pleasure to serve. It's a pleasure to serve you. Be our guest. That's all they want. That's all all they want is to turn back into human beings who can serve their betters. Really, player? Like that's what you? I'm not with that. Now in the live action version we have the you know the opera singer Audrey McDonald and we have my my boo Stanley Tucci who I just really <laughs> love Stanley Tucci so much yeah. so underrated even toothless even toothless <laughs> when his piano PT you know so they weren't necessarily servants but they did you know work at the pleasure of the prince mm-hmm. you know but this whole so I think that is an interesting um 
indoctrination, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm a fan of period pieces. And I remember when Down Abbey came out, and folks were like, you need to watch Down Abbey because you love, you know, period pieces. And I just couldn't get with the upstairs, downstairs. It just yeah. rubbed no, me the wrong it. way. I couldn't watch it. You know, because I think there's this fantasy of mm -hmm. what it means to be aligned with power. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, you know, I, that that that's not my thing. I was, I, I'm... I'm interested in getting your thoughts about in the live action sequence, mm -hmm. right? There is a moment where the servants actually say, when Bell says, You all are cursed too. Why yeah. are you still here? Yeah. And they're saying, It's our fault to yeah. Because he was created this way by his father. And basically, we weren't active bystanders. And so we let it happen. And so we're destined to be here too because it's our fault. And I like, wait a pause. minute. What? And wait. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. This is a cycle of violence. Like, mm -hmm. this is... Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this yeah. is exactly, mm -hmm. like, this is the issue. And mm -hmm. so I think it was really interesting because I know that the running joke for Beauty and the Beast for a long time has always been, you know, oh, Bill, Stockholm Syndrome, this and the other. Mm -hmm. And I see how they tried to do the work of kind of removing that mm -hmm. but it was still there it was there with yeah. the with the servants yeah yeah the only thing i agree with that completely i think the only thing that that statement other thing that that statement made me think of because i remember that moment it's like mrs potts I'm like oh you know mm -hmm. his father was this terrible thing it was like patriarchy is everybody's fault mm -hmm. and i feel like that's part of what they mm -hmm. were saying but like if you don't have the same access to power yeah. if you are yeah. the housekeeper exactly if who has you, a young child who has a young yeah. child you know if you are the steward if you are like mm -hmm. how do you are there ways that you can combat institutionalized patriarchy right. perhaps but like is it your fault that he turned into like you know a total butthead no. no, no, you know what I mean? It makes me think of, you know, not a, a fairy tale, but a dark story. So Kindred, right? Octavia mm -hmm. Butler. Mm -hmm. And the sort of the mm -hmm. the question is like, well, can Dana keep on going back? Oh. Yeah. Um, you know, like the premise of that story is, you know, it's a woman in the 1970s, a black woman. And we don't get any explanation for how the time travel works, but she time travels back to the mid 19th century to ensure that her ancestors get together, a black ancestor who is enslaved and a white ancestor mm -hmm. who is a slaver, that they get together to reproduce, you know, so they mm -hmm. eventually will make her, right? And so she has to sort of make sure that her white ancestor, who is terrible, mm -hmm. lives long enough to, you know, and mm -hmm. so she thinks, oh, well, maybe I can make him a better person. Mm -hmm. It's like you can only do so much in the face of right. yeah. institutionalized patriarchy racism, slavery, all of these things. And so is Beauty and the Beast that dark? No. But, you know, that moment, it's like, well, what's Mrs. Potts supposed to do? Right. What's she supposed to do with, with, with little Chip? And she had a whole family. Did y'all also realize that she people had a, had a whole family? They had a whole family. family. I was very upset about the, <laughs> you look the teacups very upset. in the cupboard. Yes. Why did they never get to leave the cupboard? That's right. Mm. She what? was like, those, those ones... But I wonder... So this is the question I have mm -hmm. in having watched both versions yeah. very recently. So in the live action, they they talk about how they are becoming objects. Mm -hmm. They're being objectified. But in the mm -hmm. 
animated version, that's not their concern. Yeah, their concern mm-hmm. is that they will be cursed to be objects right. forever, but they will be animated. They will be mm-hmm. uh, magical objects. Like she'll, Mrs. Potts is going to be a teapot forever. Right. Whereas in the live action version, yeah. it's like that they will no longer be alive. They'll, they they'll die. Just, they yeah. just die, yeah. right? So I don't know if that answers your question because I'm thinking like, oh, was there happened, a version? Like a version of that where that right. happened. I, I found that very disturbing. Mm-hmm. I also, and I want to come back to the violence point for in a minute, but I was also, and I told Wanda this beforehand, very upset about the the sugar and the creamer. Okay? Mm-hmm. Why did they not have faces? Aww. They danced. <laughs> they had clear personalities and, and attitudes. Maybe they had sass, honey. They yeah, had a lot true. of sass, and they had no faces. A lot of the objects didn't have they were just dancing around. So I was like, what is this class system Ooh, or this like system with with the folks? I mm. see you. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, why do some of them have mm-hmm. faces and animation and all of that? And mm-hmm. then some of them are like little teacups mm-hmm. locked in the cupboard and they never get to get out. Mm-hmm. Price, and the sugar and the creamer, they price, get to walk that, around. That was it. Mm-hmm. No voice. That's just mm-hmm. a really good explanation mm-hmm. of how oppression impacts all but differently across spectrums. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So getting back to the point of violence also and domesticity and all of that, there's this article by this, I think she's Canadian um, social worker, Laura Berries, and she talks about the ways that her clients will access the story of Beauty and the Beast, and I think she's very specifically referring to the post-1991 Disney version. Mm-hmm as a way to claim agency in staying in abusive relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this narrative of mm-hmm. her love changing him, mm. of, of a, a good woman's love we being rebuke able... It. We rebuke it. Being able to change a violent man mm-hmm. is... That is that. the... That's the story that mm-hmm. tells you it can happen. Mm. I hear that so often in my work. I hear it so often in my work. Yeah, I, mm, mm, I don't, mm. And I think this story amplifies a very common trope in romance novels mm-hmm. and romantic movies where maybe the guy, particularly in heterosexual stories, but in que- some queer stories too, where the guy is not necessarily violent physically, but he is rough, he is crude, and he needs the sort of mollifying feminine touch to bring him out. I mean... Mm-hmm. He needs to be raised. He, it's a Jane Eyre type thing. It's a... You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. the dark and brooding mm-hmm. hero yep. by the fireplace, and it's like, on the one hand, like, that is completely terrible, but even if we look at Beauty and the Beast, like, we really look at it, he banged on her door. That was not cool. He was roaring around, but, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It only took him one night to really kind of straighten up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After that, he yeah. was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this idea of being like, oh, no, this feeds into this larger narrative. Mm-hmm. That's because we have already yep. Yep. language around that. Yep. Because right. he doesn't continue to be no. a butthead the whole time. Well, he never physically harms her. No. Or, you know, but he's very threatening. Mm-hmm. But he's very He's large. He's imposing. He uses his voice and his stature and his size to lord over. It's just that she, not only does she love him like better but she is assertive like mm-hmm. i think that's part of the recuperation of the story the that's missing yeah she's like well what you're not gonna do is blah 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 
or I need to do this. Like, she's very assertive in a particular kind of way. And that is not how abusive relationships work. Mm -hmm. That other person is trying to wear you down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like, oh, you're sassy. You got moxie. Like, that's not a helpful thing. You know what I mean? But we're supposed to read that in romantic terms. And it's completely whack. Hi, this is Shannon. We're taking a break right now so I can tell you a little about the program bringing this podcast to you. Once Upon a Patriarchy is the first in what we hope will be a series of podcasts produced through the graduate program in writing and digital communication at Agnes Scott College. Podcasts in this series advance our vision of cultivating just and inclusive community and promoting respectful dialogue across difference through digital communication. As the faculty director of the program, I'd like to personally invite you to refresh your thinking and career with a master's degree or graduate certificate at the place where liberal arts and professional programs meet. Develop content for the web and social media and prepare yourself for whatever comes after through digging deep into the history, theory, and cultural impact of the mediums you're working in. Build your writing and technical skills and curate your digital portfolio. Take classes at night or on weekends in person in Decatur, Georgia. Our faculty care about getting to know you and making sure your education helps you meet your goals. For real, I'm one of them. I care. We even have a full-time career coach who can help you strategize your next steps. Visit agnescott.edu slash graduate programs to request information. Now, back to the show. Something I think the live action version did well, though, I noticed there were people of color. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of, kind of could not, right? I mean, they were, like, plentiful. I was like, what <laughs> part was, of France in the 17th yeah. century is this? This healthy. is great. It, it was in prominent speaking roles. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. The You know, the man who sold the books, the bookseller was the brother, I thought. Yep. Sure it was. Sure this is was. amazing. He had his little George Washington wig. And he had a, a speaking part when he, and, you know, several. Yeah, several. And, I, mm-hmm. and when he told Gaston, I think you need to chill out. Yeah. You know? People. He has an arc. Yeah, he has an arc. There, there were go. major and minor roles mm-hmm. in addition to the armoire and um, plumet and all of that. There were, you know, a few, you know, speaking and roles. And people who stayed human, mm-hmm. which is really important because mm-hmm. Disney does, Ooh. and modern Disney has yes. has allowed people of color to be yes. in the films, but yes. very rarely, and, you know, are they Tiana human? was a frog right? for which is not, of the movie. and we're going to talk about this. Not the fairy tale mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And or even when they went to the continent, they made them all animals. I was like, oh, we're going to have an African cartoon. Yeah, no. Lion King. Okay, mm-hmm. which I love. Right. But okay, you know, yeah. but they they trying to do ever so slightly better. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was like this little little smidges of queer representation. So it was very clear to me that LeFou, you know, from the jump, from the mm-hmm. jump, that Gaston was his boo. Like uh-huh. maybe there were some moments in mm-hmm. the trenches, yeah, you know, during uh-huh. the war. Uh-huh. Those nights get cold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Why would you want that? Why would you want to break up the good thing that we got going? You know what I mean? Uh And there were a few moments, right, where it was explicitly said, you know, like, Mm -hmm. he's not good for you. Like, we're going through something. He's not good for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay. Or even at the end, there were two moments that I noticed in the live action version where the singer, when they're fighting the townspeople and the villagers are attacking them Uh and the three kind of musketeer guys come in to fight Uh and she she kind of gets them all dressed up (laughs) as ladies and there's one who is in his truth. I love it. He's like, I look great. I'm free. And he walks off into his truth. Amen. Hello. And then at the end when they're all dancing, that that same guy. That same guy. And LeFou, yeah. they it's start the dancing. It's the same guy. I was guy. like, I kept rewinding, trying. I was like, I it's the same, same guy. Because I was guy. like, oh, because they made a big deal before the movie came out that this was going to have, there would be, and I, this was in quotes, an explicitly gay moment in Beauty and the Beast. Oh my. Come through. I'm telling you. An explicitly gay moment. And I was like, what? Wow. Well, LeFou got well, chose. That's all I know. <laughs> You know, he, he, he turned a new corner. He decided to go on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he, you know, they, let, let's see how they work. Yes, I was I was happy with that. So that was, I thought, some yeah. small moments of, yeah. okay, I see y'all trying to recuperate some stuff. Because I kept writing down in my notes, LeFou is the guy who knows better. Like, right. he's the one who knows better and just keeps doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going along with all this stuff and he knows better. Mm-hmm. And he's uncomfortable, but he's just mm-hmm. going along. So I was getting yeah. really angry. I was very disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know better. This is like the rest of them. Yeah, whatever. They're, they're moral you, yeah. you know this is wrong and you're mm-hmm. doing it. The wrong mm-hmm. monsters. I think we've released the wrong monster. That's a line in mm-hmm. that in there. That mm-hmm. he his the kind of newer updated version of Kill the Beast, right? Mm-hmm. That's his mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. unleashed the wrong monster. Can mm-hmm. we just for a second talk Kevin Klein? Oh, yeah. Yes. Hey, oh, Kevin yeah. Klein. Hey, Kevin. I was so happy to see him. Yeah. yeah. He has emerged from his cocoon. Yes. He, he only emerges every few years. Every few you years. Know, but it was nice to see him. And he really, for me, I think he transformed yeah. my original thought mm-hmm. around the father. Mm-hmm. I was like, he, he's just a blubbering idiot who yeah. likes to tinker. Mm-hmm. Right. In the cartoon, mm-hmm. he is. He, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He completely is. Right. There's no connection to reality. And Kevin just just brought him to life in a way that's just created this well-rounded mm-hmm. character who experienced great loss, who mm-hmm. was such a sensitive, disheartened, lovelorn man, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and was so dedicated to his daughter that even at the threat of violence from the beast or imprisonment, as well as, you know, imprisonment again mm-hmm. uh, from Gaston, that he was just like, no, do do what do your worst. Yeah. Like do your worst. Yeah. So I, I I just I just like and I, I always got a little crush on Kevin through the years. So <laughs> he my boo. But yeah, I yeah, I think that overall what I enjoyed most about the live action version is the ability to kind of draw out and answer all of these questions mm-hmm. um, and, and do some really great character development. Mama died of the plague. Mm-hmm. Didn't right. know that. Right, right. You know? Didn't know that we can travel to different different places. That then. was exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was. We got mm-hmm. some new music. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed it wasn't the Broadway mm-hmm. editions, though, because I really uh-huh. love the soundtrack to the Broadway adaptation of the mm-hmm. Disney film. There's these beautiful songs in it that I know all the words to those, too, because <laughs> I'm a big geek. And the, and you could hear actually the melodies from the mm-hmm. from those when she first and they would use words that are from mm-hmm. referencing the Broadway songs I guess for rights reasons I'm assuming right. they couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't use it for for whatever but or they did something different with the narrative but like there's this song she sings in the Broadway 
adaptation of the 1991 play or movie called Home. And it's that first night when Mrs. Potts lets her in and says, you know, or Lumiere says, welcome to this is your home now, you know, mm-hmm. puts her in the room. And you could hear the melody in the 2017 version. I was like, that's my song. My song. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come together. It didn't. Too. I kept waiting. Burst you got, into you song. You got to go play the soundtrack Sing. at home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. I'm you. going to. It didn't come mm-hmm. together. I have it on CD. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Come on, old school. Come yeah. on. Now. I do. Now, if you pull out a cassette tape, I'm going to buy you dinner. Okay. I don't have the cassette. Mm. You almost had dinner. Um, I think another question that I have uh, just to throw out. Man, we talked about some great stuff today. <laughs> mm, this is great. Susanna, what do you think or what are some themes in the film that came out for you that are parallel to the work that you're currently doing or things that you're actively trying to disrupt in your work and and within today's climate? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I work a lot with Karis Books. I'm the board chair of Karis Circle, which is the nonprofit programming arm of Karis Books Mm -hmm. here in Atlanta. And what is Karis? Karis is the South's oldest feminist bookstore. It's one of the nation's oldest feminist bookstores. Coming soon to Agnes Scott. Coming soon to Agnes Scott, to be Agnes Scott's college bookstore. And I'm a, you know, college professor and I teach literature, among other things. And so I am very interested in books and learning and folks sitting down and having intellectual conversations. And so, like I said earlier, I was really surprised at revisiting both well, revisiting the 91 version and seeing for the first time the 2017 version, that emphasis on reading and knowledge and learning. And so that's something that I'm thinking, especially for small children watching the cartoon or even watching the live action version being like, okay, yes, it's called Beauty and the Beast, but what makes her a weirdo to her townspeople, Mm -hmm. right? And what her potential suitor wants to kind of drum out of her is this intellectualism, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so much pushback against princess culture. I'm not a parent, but I see it with my friends who have children or, you know, folks I know. It's like the princess stuff gets them really early. Mm. Even the folks who, like, don't have TV, Mm -hmm. they don't let them watch stuff. They go to school one day. They come back in a princess outfit. Like, this not even your clothes. Yep. <laughs> Where'd you get this? It just materializes onto their bodies yeah. that they're like, I'm the princess. And what being a, a princess might mean, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I'm here for interrogating language and so on. But if we have young people of whatever gender understanding that being, you know, I think for most kids being a princess is like dressing up having fancy stuff, tea parties. They don't necessarily understand all the larger patriarchal implications. But if we can get them early, right. mm-hmm. that maybe being fabulous right. involves being smart and being assertive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I think the idea of we brought up the term reproductive justice a few times. I mean, in the Stockholm Syndrome of this of these films, mm-hmm. right? Like, part of reproductive justice, why that's a great phrase, is that it is a holistic term. That's so right. it's about where you live, who you love, how you love, and how you can create a family or not create a family. Right. And obviously, Belle didn't have any choice, really. Truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and... She was sort of, you know, the idea of which monster, right? It's like, do you stay at home with your father who, if, if in the second version, is not a bumbling idiot, but can't really <laughs> yeah. 
can't really protect you from the larger patriarchal powers. And she right? said he's never been on his own, even yeah. in a lot right. of yeah. films. That's true. She said that. That's true. So she's taking care of him. Right. And they have Agnes, who we end up, you know, or Agatha, yeah. rather, yeah, who yeah. we end up finding out is, you know, the Enchantress, right? Mm-hmm. But that she has been marginalized and she's been on the outside because she's a single woman. That's right. We yeah. already know how single women in Western society have been treated, right. even to now, but particularly, you know, centuries ago, right? You're a witch, you're in the outskirts, you have to be connected to some sort of patriarchal family unit, right? So Belle doesn't really have much choice. She has to be with her father and be a spinster, which she's okay with, but when he dies, what does she do? Or does, and then she has to marry somebody. She has to attach mm-hmm. herself mm-hmm. to some other... Right, yeah. and yeah. all the men in town are whack. They may not they be as are. whack as Gaston, oh right? God. But they're no, no one is her equal yeah. except maybe homeboy yeah. who owns the bookstore, bookstore, who seems old enough to be her daddy yeah. and not interested. Like, right. he's like... He's got a very paternal relationship. He's a paternal. He's not yeah, he's coming not, on some weird, you know. Probably freak him out as much as it would Exactly. Freak he's like, no, you're my child who reads yeah. the books or whatever. You keep me um, open. You keep me in business because you keep me open yeah, yeah, because yeah, everyone yeah. else is like a non reader right. and I appreciate you. Like, good luck. Yeah. So, you know, the beast is a beast, but then it's like <laughs> he reads and he listens. <laughs> These are your choices. So we I think it's a low bar. It's a low bar. It's but, a low bar. But is in this that is, but is, in this moment of you know me too, in this yeah, moment of yeah. past two weeks with the Kavanaugh case oh, and all gosh. of that, it also I think reflects the low bar. Now she gets her happily ever after, right? Yeah. yeah. But most many people don't. Right. Or the happily ever after is mitigated. So I think that that, as much fun as the movies are, they also reflect, I think, that reality. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. No, 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 that, I just felt that all through me. So, Mm. no, that, that is a, mm, yes. Yo, that, that lynch mob scene in the live action Mm -hmm. and the torches, all I saw were tiki torches, Mm y'all. And... I had a moment because uh, I watched half of it last night, watched the rest early this morning. And I had a moment when they were singing the song Kill the Beast, right? Mm-hmm. And I know this song because I just ate all of this up, like, as a child. Like, I didn't realize mm-hmm, also, like, mm-hmm. books were a thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. All of the good and the bad were just spoon-fed into me, mm-hmm. and I didn't really process it as a kid. And and so I'm sitting here, 36, singing this song. Like, oh, I remember this song. I remember mm-hmm, this song. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at these torches, and I'm like, yo, who's the beast, though? Right. Yeah. And what is the message? Mm-hmm. What is the real message? Because the mm-hmm. issue is not that he was threatening. The issue was that Gaston was unfamiliar. And Gaston was upset because it seemed as if he had gotten something that he desired, Mm -hmm. right? He felt entitled to. He felt entitled to. And for that reason only, because there's no one who was on par in that village to be his equal, including Belle, right? He must be, they must be destroyed. Like we saw, I saw just in general, a very dark Gaston. When he tied old boy to the tree. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, for the wolves to get oh, yeah. It was like, yeah. whoa! Like, they upped the ante with the violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the beast was shot. Yeah. Multiple times. Several Multiple times. times, right? And I'm I, like, what kind of bullets are these? I, I was, I, 
there were so many things that mm-hmm. really tore at me. And, I, you know, I, it made me think about when James Baldwin has said that, you know, he when he was young and he watched Cowboys and Indians and how he was the one who was rooting for, you know, yeah, kill the Indians, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he was like, I was the Indian, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be American and to be black is not to be American, you know, mm-hmm. in that space. That double so, consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I was sitting here and I was just like, I'm the beast. Oh. Oh. And then the torches and then just mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the anger. Like, they legit destroy pieces of their own town. Mm-hmm. Like, how they were tearing yeah. off pieces just to fight. Like, it, it, was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Have either of you been to the... National Memorial for Peace and Justice yet? Mm-hmm. I have not had the strength. <laughs> I, it, it requires a great deal of strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that that, make, that that really forcefully reminds me of is... Oh, um, so there's the... At the actual... There's the memorial, and then there's the museum. Mm-hmm. And at the memorial, you have all of these kind of hanging rectangular, three-dimensional rectangle. They're like coffin-shaped. Right. Um, or body-shaped um, right. in a kind of vague way. Pieces that are of stone that are hanging from the... Uh, first you walk through them, and then as you walk down, they start to hang above you like bodies. And they... Mm. Each one has the name of a county, and then below it are listed all the dates of lynchings, mm-hmm. and then all of the names of people when they know them. When, as you walk through, sometimes you can see, like, something happened and they, like, wiped out entire families on this day or that day. Mm-hmm. And some, they don't even know who some of these people are. Mm-hmm. They just killed them because they were there. Right. Right. And and then as you kind of go through and go down, you, you do see a couple of – I can't remember if it's at the memorial. I know it's at the museum, but I think there were some of them at the memorial, too, where you would see plaques on the – wall that would say like why someone the reason given mm-hmm. for a lynching mm-hmm. and so many of them were that a black man talked to a white woman or asked to marry his master's or his his boss's daughter because this was post-slavery right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his boss's daughter white daughter or mm-hmm. or he like a man a black man was walking behind a white woman or something like that. So, so many of them. So that scene where Gaston gets every like he's acting out of sexual jealousy, mm-hmm. and gets and everyone over Bell and gets mm-hmm. everyone in the town riled up to then go lynch the beast. Mm-hmm. Is that I mean that that's the historic? There's historical. There's that is a thing. That is mm-hmm. something that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, without the magic mirrors and the rest of it. But mm-hmm. that core thing is something that's happened so many times in this country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That And that, just the way that that's framed and then the way... It, mm-hmm. it, and versions of it continue to happen, yeah. right? So yeah. you mentioned the tiki torches, but, right. you know, even the idea of the beast, you know, we just right. got a conviction for... What is it, Officer Van Dyke Mm -hmm. up in Chicago who murdered Laquan McDonald, Mm -hmm. who was an unarmed 
you know, black youth. And the way his defense was trying to rationalize his shooting Laquan McDonald multiple times, even when he fell down, was by saying, you didn't see his eyes. You didn't see how he was looking at me. And rather, and I'm using the pronouns he, his defense, Van Dyke's defense, was saying it. Using the the word it to describe Laquan McDonald, who was a person whose life mattered. Or, you know, the officer who murdered Mike Brown. Mm -hmm. In his defense and in his breakdown of his version of events, it's he came barreling towards me. It's like he hulked up, Mm -hmm. uh, describing him as superhuman, right? right? Rather than as someone who was 18 and had just graduated from high school, Right. Right. Or was going to graduate from high school. So, you know, that language, particularly around black men, but it happens to black women too, right? We think of Serena Williams and so on, the ways in which um, Michelle Obama has been described, right? So this idea of making someone, dehumanizing them and making Mm -hmm. them an animal and not in the ways as an animal lover that we talk about our pets or, you know, because there's a lot of love in the United States for our pets, right? But this untamed (laughs) beast, you know, that you got to keep outside. It's like Morrison writes in Beloved, you know, where the main character is thinking about Mm -hmm. how she has been dehumanized through the process of slavery and how she says, Seth assessment to the effect of like, they treated me like a cow. And she says, no, like a goat. I was too nasty to be kept in the barn. (sighs) Right. Because you don't keep goats inside. They're crazy. Right. And so that's how she felt she was treated. Right as a dis- not only an animal, but a, a disgusting low animal. Not the dog that you would keep. Not the spaniel you keep by the fire. Yeah. You know, the the disgusting animal. So I think that there are some resonances there, absolutely. Particularly in this political moment. And it was such a powerful moment when the beast had the opportunity mm-hmm. to kill him. And he said, mm-hmm. I'm not a beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, and even after that, he was still shot several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a moment for me that I... I I had to kind of step away for a mm-hmm. minute and then come back because it was mm-hmm. just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was too much yeah. for me. Yeah. Mm. Oof. All right. So, last question. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite question. Okay. I like to ask people. <laughs> How would you retell this story? You are OG fan of at least... You are you have OG receipts of knowing and participating mm-hmm. in the Beauty and the Beast viewings, Disney on Ice. It's true. Live action, mm-hmm. uh, cartoon. How would you retell this? And the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. come through and, sitcom. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't gonna go back there because it gave me heart palpitations. That's so right. I just yeah. didn't want to. You know, Hamilton. it made me feel. I just didn't want to mm-hmm. feel that way mm-hmm. again. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Fan you a little bit. I thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, how would yes, you retell this moment. story? What does your version of Beauty and the Beast look like? Mm. Yeah, um, you can focus it on anybody. Anything you, can, you, can be you want. Whatever. What are you interested in that world? Wow, I'm interested in Idris and myself. No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> look at me. No. <laughs> Let me calm down. Yes. 
I'm interested in how I think that this story works in a particular way because it's about like white womanhood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how the story would work if it was people of color, mm. and in the non Disney version because there are people mm-hmm. of color as we said right. in this 2017 yeah. version, but race did not seem to matter mm-hmm. in the ways that it matters yeah. now or would have mattered actually back then, right? right? They just happened to be black or happened to be brown and they were present. They were us all townspeople the same. So I would be interested in, you know, what it would look like if it was a modern day telling or telling, you know, at any point in time in which the sort of contours of race exist as they do now. Like, how would that Mm -hmm. inform rather than being a stand in, like being an actual. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Now, Shrek has done a version of this. Right. And that they flip the genders. Mm -hmm. Who's a beast? Who's a monster? And whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be interesting Mm -hmm. in the telling. Right. Because I think masculinity and the beast and the like loving him and making him whole. Would it have would it be the same if homegirl was in the tower? That's true. And she was covered in the hair. Yeah. And she was snarling. Mm hmm. Mm. I just mm. don't know. Mm. You know, so I'd be interested in a, mm. a gendered reverse a, a version or a queer version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so those are some things that I think about in a retelling, you know. Can we get that Linda Hamilton version updated? I know there was a version <laughs> a few years ago. It was not the same. It was not the same. <laughs> no. It was not but, the same. You, you got feelings. I got, got feelings. feelings. But like Netflix, I've been waiting. Are you it listening? You know, Come what would a new version? We want some Vincent. I wonder if y'all... <laughs> and Catherine. That's right. Have y'all like seen... Real. There's a short film called Beauty by Project Her. Oh, no. So, like, I think Condé Nast, you know, the, the magazine folk, mm-hmm. they have, like, a short film series. It's all women directors as far as I can tell Mm -hmm. and the short film it's like 10 minutes and the director is a black woman and I cannot remember her name it's about 10-12 minutes and so it is if you just google project her beauty it'll come up and so it's not a beauty and the beast story per se but it does toy with some Uh of the same issues so I won't give too much away it's set in the 1930s and main character's name is Rose, and she is seeking employment as a domestic in a white woman's household. And she encounters these men who are scarred in particular kinds of ways. And she has the power to heal them. So there's some interesting things happening. I think some problematic things are happening. Uh-huh. Some interesting <laughs> things are happening. There's a little bit of magical Negro stuff happening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a little bit of, you know, yeah. I won't give too much away, okay. but there's so I think folks are thinking of this story, mm-hmm. you know, in particular kinds of ways, and they're in this house and they're kind of isolated and. Mm. I like it. Yeah. Wanda, how would you retell the story? You know, I've been I've been having difficulty. I've been having a lot of difficulty with. I I don't think I want large pieces of it to exist. Period. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my retelling of the story will definitely have some gaps that I'm trying to figure out how to fill. I don't want Gaston in any version. Oh, no. Right? So that. he has to go. I need LeFou. If you're going to be in my version, I need you to be on your stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need this wavering. I need you to understand what side of history you're going to be on early on. I am also one who I, I don't want a version where people are struggling to find out how to do their social justice. I want their social justice done. 
I want all the work done and I want us to just be and and, and do and grow from there, right? I, I would love for us to have in the in the live action version, Belle is a creative inventor in her own right. She mm. basically discovered a washing machine. That's she true. sure did. You know That's what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And she's teaching other women how uh-huh. to mm-hmm. read. Uh-huh. Right? And 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 I want more of that. Right? Mm. I want some STEM. Give me some stuff. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want I want some more I want more women to STEM. I want um more activism around um the radical idea of women thinkers, right? Mm-hmm. Um I want like I don't want this the idea of love or the pursuit of love to be uh, to overshadow all these other things Mm -hmm. right Uh, I want it to be what it is it's Mm -hmm. it's just a part it's another part Mm -hmm. of who I am but it's not it's not that priority you know Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm thinking in those directions but you know what am I going to do with the candlesticks? You know, like, I, I'm, no, that's the kind of question I have. Like, I don't really, I don't know if my version will be, like, I want the dancing, I want the singing, but I don't want people to be cursed. So yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. That's what I'm struggling mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just have cookouts or something. You I know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. be a cookout version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want... I'm I'm really fixated on the sugar and the creamer. You are. I'm I'm you have I want they need to a know what are their names? What is I want to know what is I want the the ecology of of the servants. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care you about You always the want that. Though. I do. You want that every <laughs> time. <laughs> you want to know where Sebastian come from. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like where Sebastian how from? Sebastian got here this time. Right. You know, <laughs> like, I loved it, right? I think there's a story there. I think like did they get punished? That why they no longer have faces, or is there something like what was happening with the live action version, and they're losing their humanity faster? Oh. Like maybe they fomented revolution because they were like, "We got turned into objects. Why are we still serving this beast?" Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can't, I can't be convinced that everybody was cool mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think right. they were. I think the sugar and the creamer fought back. And mm. I also think that it was interesting how everybody, they didn't revert back or they didn't become full, fully inanimate objects at the same time. Right, right. right? And so maybe there is something, something to, that. to that. right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm also, like, one of the things I'm studying right now and really looking at very closely is entitlement. Mm. And Beauty and the Geek and uh, the, the television mm-hmm. program that was on, uh, which I had to watch all of. Sorry. More than once. You Okay. Yeah. Still I will not be. I'd, mm-hmm. Not not yet. Understood. Not yet. I had to rewatch it again when I decided to do this article. I'm really looking at narratives of entitlement and rhetorics of entitlement and the way that that logic works, right? And Gaston in both versions is such a strong and very specific narrative of sexual entitlement, mm-hmm. like male entitlement to a woman's sexual uh, receptivity. Mm-hmm. I think they touched on that but, a little bit, though, also yeah. in the beginning with the beast, though. But the beast, too, yes. Mm-hmm. And the beast with the, like, harem? What? The, the opening scene there? with the women? All mm-hmm. those Rolling. women, and he's the only man, and then... All those women, mm-hmm. and he's dancing with all of them. That mm-hmm. was creepy. Mm-hmm. So, 
so when I started working on the article before I came back to the, to these two versions, I was really looking at these two specific mm-hmm. areas, the show and then a, a, mm-hmm. some digital communities. And then now I'm like, I got to go back to the I got to go back to the Disney as well. Like mm-hmm. I got to bring that in more forcefully into this particular thing. So so I'm it's not a story, but it's the thing that I'm like. Mm-hmm. But for Focus story, mm-hmm. I'm I want to know what happened to the sugar and the cream. Okay. I'm gonna see. They if have we can a story find that for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I will write that. We will. We will discuss that story. Mm. I think that's. A, I think that's I think another show all within itself. I mean, Sugar the Cream, Flounder, Sebastian. Yeah. The true mm-hmm. stories of Disney's yes. forgotten characters. Oh my goodness. Come through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It. We'll do that too. So that actually just about wraps us up for today. I want to thank you so much, Susanna. This has been a ball. Okay. Thanks for having me. This has been so so much much fun today. I would love for you to do some self-promotion and let people know where to find you if you want to be found and when you want to be found. Sure. You can head to my website, SusannaMorris.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-A-M-O-R-R-I-S. And also, you can follow me on Twitter at I am Crunkadelic. All right. And once again, I am Wanda Swan. I am Shannon Palma. And this has been Once Upon a Patriarchy. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>